Telling people about Jesus can be hard, especially for newer Christians. Hello, I'm Brent Siddle, and welcome to the God Story podcast. Our very special guest on the show this time is John Hopper of Search Ministries, who's just published a new how-to guide for evangelism called Giving Jesus Away, Finding Joy in Sharing the Gospel. John serves as Executive Director for REACH, the evangelism training arm of Search Ministries, and regularly encourages and facilitates gatherings and conversations aimed at helping people think more deeply about God and life. John earned a BA in Economics at Trinity University and M.Ed at the Masters of Education, John, I think is it, at the University of Houston, and M.A. in Transformational Leadership at Bethel University and a demon at Biola University where he focused on Christian apologetics and worldview studies. John Served as a pastor at Bridgepoint Bible Church in Houston for 16 years. John, goodness gracious, how do you do all that? How did you do all that? Hi, <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> well, it's great to be with you, Brent. Oh, it's a joy to have you with us. Uh, what are worldview studies? Well, it, we were looking at uh, everything from different religious views to different sort of secular perspectives on the world, uh, different views in terms of who God is or whether there is a God. Um, you know, and then, of course, all the questions that sort of flow from that, you know, why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? Those kinds of things. So uh, we wrestled with those and it was great. I actually I, I recently wrote this book, as you said, Giving Jesus Away. Before that, I wrote a book called Questioning God, Answers to Questions Worth Asking and uh, dealt with a lot of those kinds of questions that people uh, tend to ask. Yes. Is there a uh, maybe the wrong question to, to ask. We must get on to evangelism, but is there a predominant sure. or prevailing worldview in the States at the moment? Well, I, I do think there's uh, a few t trend lines. I still think that the vast, vast majority of people in the States believe there is a higher power, right? So they may not describe that higher power in the same way, but they, they sort of share that. It's still 80 plus percent of people do. Um, most people wish or at least hope there's something after this life. Um, and they think it's the good people that will enjoy the good part of that. And they think they're one of the good people. <laughs> yes, we all do, don't we? I think probably the stats are a bit lower for New Zealand, but I, I was staggered at how, how much, how, how Christian New Zealand still is actually when I last saw the census. Mm -hmm. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. All of this, yeah. of course, is a great um, field for evangelism, which is the subject of the interview today. Now, why do so few of us put up our hands when it comes to evangelism? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there's, you know, there's, there's a sense of inadequacy for a lot of believers. That's what I find. In fact, I was with a group of men yesterday, and I'm, I'm taking them through the book, Giving Jesus Away, and all of them are just like, I, I'm afraid. Like, I don't know if, if I'll get asked questions that I don't know how to answer. I don't know what if I'll bumble over my words. So for many people, it's just a sense of inadequacy. And then, of course, also, I think there's a fear that a relationship will be damaged because of it. There will be an offense in some way, right? So, so there's other reasons, but I think those are kind of the two main reasons, a sense of inadequacy and a fear of a broken relationship as a result of sharing, and that keeps people stymied. Yes, yes. It feels totally unnatural for folk, doesn't it, often to, to share their faith. How did you get started as an evangelist, John? What's your? Do you remember your very first experience sharing Jesus with somebody? Well, I do, and I actually mentioned in the group I, I, I was uh, – um, in the first grade, so that was about six years old. <laughs> so um, I remember on the on the school grounds, just talking with a, a young boy, and 
And I don't know exactly how I explained the gospel, but I remember doing that. I remember praying with him and that sort of thing. So it goes way back. And I think in many ways it's because uh, that's always been an important thing for my parents. And so they, uh, it's been a part of their life. They're in their 80s now. They're still sharing Jesus with people. And so that's wonderful. for me, it was just kind of the normal Christian life to do that. Some people seem to just have a natural gift for it. It just flows out of them. Others others of us find it very difficult at times. Uh, I was at college with a, a Tamil guy who's become a pastor, and he just had a natural flowing love of Jesus, and it just flowed out to everybody. Um, he had an amazing gift as an evangelist. Now, why must we all make our minds up, though, about Jesus? What does the Lord Jesus require of all of us, really? Well, I, I don't think people necessarily understand it's the centrality of of sharing Jesus with other people that Jesus really wanted that from us. So um, it was His mission, right? So Jesus made it clear that He came to seek and save the lost, and He also made it clear to His disciples and then to us as well through the the words of the disciples that we're to go and make disciples, that we're to be fishers of men and women, so that His mission sort of becomes our mission as well. So not in the same way. We're certainly not going to die for people's sins as Jesus did, but but we're uh, we're ushering in that message. We're telling people about Jesus. And, and I think in many regards, in fact, the reason why I chose the subtitle for this, this book, that I want people to understand this mission that we're called to, is because I think it's a gateway to joy. Um, I think there's a lot of Christians who's, joy is not complete because they're not sharing Jesus with people. I mean, if you think about it, those, those things that we get really excited about, like if we experience something that's great at work or in our day, we want to go and tell somebody, but no one to tell it to, it kind of leaves us sort of empty, right? We want to share those exciting moments with people. And if Jesus is really something special in our life and we don't tell anybody about that, I think we're sort of leaving some joy on the table, significant joy. And so that's a lot of the impetus for this book is just to help people see, hey, um, this might be a little scary at first, but um, if you if you're willing to step into it, then there, I think there's a lot of joy there for you. Yes, yeah, some of the church meetings I've been at, there's been plenty of joy about building a new church wall or painting the church a certain <laughs> colour, and then there's been a lot of angst about it as well. But not a lot of mission going on anyway. To what extent is evangelism a process? I mean, you start mm. to deal with someone, and you start to meet with someone, you start to talk with or share your faith with someone. What sort of a, is this a process? Yes. You know, I think, Brent, that um, sometimes we think of evangelism as this very point in time event. You know, it's like we sit someone down and for 10 minutes or whatever, we sort of go through the basics of the gospel. That's evangelism. Um, and that certainly is, without a doubt. But we have to recognize that people are way different places when when we begin a relationship with them. Some of them are seeking some of them are maybe a little bit curious. Some are totally indifferent. Some are hostile, right? So, so we have very different starting points. And so we have to sort of recognize, okay, what's the starting point? And what can I do to sort of move the needle a little bit uh, and just begin that process? For someone who's hostile, for example, to Christianity, we just may need to become uh, uh, sort of the dog that can be trusted. Sort of one of the phrases that I, I use is that they might be afraid of dogs in general, but we need to become that person that is uh, um, okay to be around. They, they may even joke about us at first, like, you know, I don't like Christians, but he's an okay Christian. <laughs> so, uh, 
Yeah, I've always been extremely frustrated throughout my ministry career. I've encountered very few hardline atheists. I think only one who would put their hand up to being a hardline atheist, and he he didn't bother to put up much of a fight. I was totally disappointed. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. Anyway, yeah, how, you've, it's so what you're saying is absolutely true. How can we adapt our evangelism though for different people, and how do we adapt to different personalities? Hmm. Well. I think in terms of like different personalities, right? There may be some people that are particularly intellectual, right? Like they're sort of, they're sort of wrestling with intellectual questions. And so it's important for us to be able to offer them some reasonable answers to reasonable questions. You know, it's other people who, who might be stuck in some real emotional hurts of some sort, right? So, and we have to recognize that and, and not try to give them intellectual answers for sort of emotional hurts that they have. Right. So, um, they may have had someone that died in their past or Christians that hurt them in some way, right? And so we want to be able to address that person on that level, right? So, and some of that has to do with just sort of, you know, getting on the same side of the table as them. So if they say, you know, they went to a church and this is the way they were treated, we might agree with them and say, you know, that's really, that's awful. I'm so sad that you had to experience that. Then we're on the same side of the table with them. If they ask a good intellectual question, we might... We just want to say, you know, that's a really great question. You know, I, 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 I'm going to have to think about that, right? And so we're sort of on that table, on the side of the table with them, where we're a sort of a co-wanderer, co-wonderer, so with them. And uh, I think that goes a long way. Okay, uh, we're sitting around a table, uh, chatting to someone, and the person's. We start to open a conversation about the Lord, and the person says, "I'm really angry with God." I lost my mother or I lost my father when I was two years old or three years old or whatever age, and I'm really angry about God. How can you defend God? God cannot be just. What's your response to something like that? Well, I mean, first of all, I would really express my uh, sympathies, right? So I think any of us, if we're sitting in that position, would feel a great loss. So um Again, I think a lot of times when that question is asked, it's really asked as an emotional cry, not so much as an intellectual question. And if we go right to an intellectual defense of God, we sometimes, you know, the person's not even listening, right? They they want to they want us first to recognize, yeah, that's a really difficult situation. So I think that's always the starting point is sort of to to recognize. In fact, what I found is that if I uh, say to someone, you know, that that is a very difficult situation. Um, so how old were you and when did that happen? And I sort of delve into their story. Oftentimes we never even get back to the intellectual question because that really wasn't the question. Mm. Um, and it's not that I'm trying to get away from answering the intellectual question. I have intellectual answers to that question. It's just that that's not what people are mostly asking when mm -hmm. they ask that question. They're just expressing themselves. Uh, emotionally. So um, so that's really at least the starting point for me. I suppose we'd ask the, the very obvious question, the starting point. We're asked to explain the gospel, but should we actually explain what the gospel is to people listening if they don't know what the gospel is? What are the essentials in explaining yeah. the gospel? And what is the gospel? What are we telling people? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, it's, we, we throw that word around gospel, right? And sometimes we can throw it around so much that we all think we know what we're talking about and we don't really know what we're talking about, right? So so I do think that there's some things that are really kind of essential that we help people to understand. Maybe not in one sitting, right? For a lot of people to sort of get all the elements of the gospel in one sitting, it's too much. But we do want them to understand who God is, what his character is, that he's both loving and that he's 
just. And we do want people to recognize that 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 all of us sort of fall short of God's standard, right? So that even though he loves us and desires to be in relationship with us, he has to judge our, our sin, right? And so, so we want people to understand that. We also want people to understand the gift that's afforded us in uh, Jesus's death and resurrection, how his death provides sort of forgiveness for our sins, his resurrection provides life for us. And then, of course, we want people to understand that they can't just know facts about Jesus, that they need to personally trust in who Christ is, says that he's the only means for their salvation. So again, that's a lot for people if they don't have a church background, if they don't have the pieces of the puzzle. And many times conversations are just about one element of that, sort of getting that piece of the puzzle down, and then we can move on in another conversation uh, to to the next piece and, and people how do, how can swallow you, better. Yeah. How do you personally go about explaining sin to people, mm, to modern people? Yeah. Who have yeah. no concept of sin. That's right. That's right. How do, how do um, you explain that? Yeah. Well, one of the ways that I explain it is, is I simply ask people to imagine that they're, say, sitting in a, a, a room, maybe a restaurant, a public place, a restaurant where there's a lot of maybe blank walls around the restaurant. And all of a sudden, all their thoughts and deeds of the last month um, were there for everybody to see. Everything they thought about their wife, everything. Thing that went through their mind about their boss, the way they didn't help their neighbor when they saw that their neighbor needed help, the way they cursed someone uh, for something that really wasn't even all that important. If all those things were out there for everybody to see, you know, what would be your response? And when I've shared that with people across the board, every single time they say, well, I'd go I'd go running out of here. I wouldn't want anybody to see me. I'd go hiding in the woods. <laughs> so, so, And so I say, you know, if if we feel that way relative to other people, we'd be ashamed of the things that we've thought and we've done and we haven't done that we should have done. How do you think that we would sort of fare before God? And I think people, when I put it that way, they they understand. Maybe at first they didn't want to put themselves as a category of a sinner. <laughs> but uh, just by that using that simple example, they see, well, yeah, I mean, we all we all really fall short. Yes. Okay. Um, how do we engage people in conversation that sounds natural? I mean, at what point, mm. for example, if you're, I don't know where you would be in an airport or in a, wherever you share the Lord, you, you yeah. do it more often yeah. than I do, I bet. I can mm-hmm. guarantee you that. But <laughs> how, how do you, how soon do you start, how soon do you turn a conversation towards, towards Jesus? Mm. Well, I, mean, I think, you know, different situations call sort of for different, speed, you might say, sort of different <laughs> tactics. So, you know, if I'm visiting someone in the hospital and it's evident that they're down to the last few days, I'm not beating around the bush, right? I'm going to be very forward with what I'm going to say. And in many cases, people are ready for that, right? They're thinking, they've been thinking about the end of their days on earth. And so it's not inappropriate at, at that uh, time. Um, in other cases, say just with a, a, a friend, a neighbor, um, I generally, I, I'm first starting by just finding out about who they are and about what's important to them, what's valuable to them, um, maybe some of the things that are difficult for them, because it's in those things that they value and it's in the things that are difficult for them that there's often opportunities to bring God into the picture, right? So, uh, for example, if if someone shares with me about a child they have that might be, have learning disabilities or health issues. And I might say, boy, that's really difficult. You know, I, I know for a lot of people when they're in situations like that, they 
you know, God is really important to them. Is God important to you? And and oftentimes I'll say, well, not really, or maybe he should be more important, but he's not, or I'd like him to be more important. But all of that gives me a clue as to where my starting point is, right, with that person. And uh, and then maybe as the conversation goes on, I can say, you know, when I've been in some difficult situations, this is something that I've remembered about God that's been important to me. And I've never found anybody to be feel offended or, you know, uh, like I've sell, sold anything to them if I take that kind of approach. And mm. and usually when people recognize that sort of I'm willing to go to that place in conversations, and it's been a friendly conversation such that there's another conversation and there's another conversation, then God comes back in the picture again and sort of more pieces of the puzzle are able to be laid out. Yes. Uh, I was going to ask you a question about training people in evangelism. Um, perhaps mm-hmm. we, if we have a pastor or a church leader listening uh, or someone who wants to get involved in evangelism or start mm-hmm. a mission from their mm-hmm. church, how, how do they go about it? How do they train others or, tra- or get themselves trained for mm-hmm. evangelism? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the book Giving Jesus Away really sets a great foundation for that. So at the end of every chapter, there are four discussion questions. And I I think if you took, for example, a small group through it, and you really took the questions at the the end of each chapter seriously, I think you'd get engaged in sharing Jesus more. Um, I don't, what I don't do in this book, Brent, is I don't just tell people go into evangelism, right? Mm-hmm. That's like saying, go swimming and never teaching anybody how to swim, right? So as the book goes along, there's a lot of practical things there about sort of how to do evangelism. So I think just sort of even walking through this book can be very helpful. At the end of the book, back in one of the appendixes, I provide like 90 questions you can ask people. So um, it's a part of conversations because a lot of people go, I just don't even know how to get a conversation deeper. Well, you know, there's some real practical things in the book. So just going through the book, I think can be really helpful. At the beginning of our time here together, you mentioned that I'm the executive director of REACH, um, which is our evangelism training at Search, which is brand new at Search. In fact, our website is um, is just launching now, so I um, I think it gets launched tomorrow even. So um, it's at reachothers.org, and it's actually a 22-week mentored program in relational evangelism. So if someone wants to be trained in evangelism, they can uh, become a part of that, become part of a small cohort that has a mentor that's walking them through for 22 weeks and how to, how to share their faith with people. Mm, that sounds great. And um, we'll put those details up on the on our website with the when the podcast drops. So many questions, John. We've only got about ten minutes left. Where do we go next? Is it important to schedule time for evangelism? Do you think? Well, of course, we we, we always sort of want to be ready, right? In season and out of season, as as, as Paul wrote. But I think that. Um, we really don't do things that aren't scheduled, right? So um, our time just gets filled up all the time. So I think it really is important at the beginning of a week, the beginning of a month, the beginning of a season to sort of just take a step back and say, I need to reach out to this week. And my wife and I, we do that regularly. We we say, you know, who's, who's a couple that we need to connect with that don't know Jesus? You know, who can we invite over for Christmas or, you know, some other holiday? Um, who can we take out to dinner? Those kinds of things. We're, we're constantly asking ourselves and putting that on the calendar. Because if we don't, it won't happen. We'll go to a period of time where like, boy, we haven't really even met with anybody that doesn't know Jesus recently. So it is really important to, to, to schedule it out. Is friendship evangelism 
becoming an increasingly important way or viable way of telling people about Jesus, walking alongside with someone and, and sharing their pain and listening to their story? Yeah, I want to um, you know, make clear that it's not, the, it's not the only way we could do evangelism, right? So, so it's possible, right, just to go knocking on people's door and try to share Jesus with them. And if, if that's legal where you live, I think, in, I think in New Zealand, knocking on, going and knocking on somebody's door <laughs> no, is now illegal. Someone illegal, told right? me a few months oh. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe <laughs> okay, so. Okay. Well, well, they don't even do that in the States anymore because nobody will answer the door. <laughs> no, right? So, no. That's right. Which is part of the reason why sort of I'm sort of promoting relational evangelism here because people are so sort of leery of, you know, who might be selling something to them that uh, just the sort of the straight out approach will oftentimes sort of create walls. Yes. So we have to take that sort of slower approach of building a relationship to sort of earn the right to be heard. Mm. What can we learn from some of the greatest evangelists? What can they teach mm. us? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, right, there's there's different kinds of evangelists. And I think sometimes we look at the sort of the person who's on the stage doing the big event and we go, well, that's the evangelist and I can't do that, right? So we can learn from them sort of a certain dependency, a certain clarity they might have in the words that they share, certain conviction, those kinds of things. But we're probably not going to pull off an event where we have a thousand people come to it and we're, we're speaking at it. So, um, but we can do you know, smaller things in our world, right? So we can invite people into our home. We can do a dinner at our home and have a couple different courses at the meal. And for each course, have a question that just gets people thinking about uh, life and sort of deeper things. So we can do those kinds of things and in the midst of it, uh, share share Jesus. So so I do think that there are some really great things we can learn from sort of the public evangelist sort of thing, but um, if that's our only picture, we may never get to it, right? <laughs> so, mm. we, so. Well, especially these days, it's, th those sorts of events uh, are becoming less and less frequent. I mean, the days of the Billy Graham, the great Billy Graham right. Crusades, which uh, my father would have remembered, for example, from the, the 40s mm -hmm. and 50s and 60s, sure. um, mm -hmm. almost uh, certainly in New Zealand, not done these mm -hmm. days, by that's and large. Right. Coming to the end, John, uh, now I noticed from your uh, bio, you discussed questions about God and life with Muslim clerics in Uzbekistan mm -hmm. and <laughs> Buddhist monks in Canada. Now, talking about relational evangelism, what on earth did you say to them? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I would not necessarily say those situations were relational evangelism. I just happened to be in those places and uh, meet some people. And as a part of the sort of meeting those people and get into conversations, you know, one thing is that we, we might get a little bit, you know, be, be a little concerned about speaking to someone who's of, um, a, has a great conviction of a, of a different faith strand, right? So, and there are ways that those conversations are more difficult because those people have such convictions, um, but at the same time, they're actually quite easy conversations to enter into because those people are willing and used to talking about spiritual issues and spiritual ideas. And so um, uh, if, we're, if we're willing to sort of go into those conversations a bit as learners, sort of like tr trying to understand what people believe, we can then perhaps then offer a, a different perspective to you know, those, those people there. But uh, we, sh we shouldn't shy away even when uh, there are people of very different sort of faith traditions than us. I find it fascinating talking to folk of other faiths um, and yeah. finding out what they believe. Uh, absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. 
John, John Hopper of Search Ministries, Executive Director for REACH, the evangelism training arm of Search Ministries. John, where can people find you on the internet and social media? Yeah, you'll be able to, uh, you can you can find search at searchnational.org, but you can find reach at reachothers.org. And the new book is called is called Giving Jesus Away, Finding Joy in Sharing the Gospel. John, thank you so much for your time. And thanks, oh. as always, to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and to take care of things behind the scenes. John, bless you. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your time. Great to be with you today, Brian. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.